welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I am your host, the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-hosts and contributors today, Rose Spiller and Chris Paxson. They are the authors of the book, The Final Exodus, Deciphering the Book of Revelation. Now, you may be wondering, what in the world are you talking about? What do you mean the final exodus? Didn't the exodus happen in the Old Testament? What does that have to do with the book of Revelation? Now, you know, on this show, we've discussed this topic several times from various different angles. We've discussed it mostly from the preterist view, which has a historical context to the scriptures in the book of Revelation, and also from the futurist view, which is very popular nowadays. But we're going to bring a third possible view to you, and I can't wait to dig into it in just a few moments. We want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. Find out how you can help out. Simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. So let's go ahead and as we say, get this party started. Rose and Chris, how are you doing today? Hi, Parker. Nice to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. We're glad to be here. And I'm so glad you took time out of your busy schedule to be here with me today. I never take it lightly, so I'm so excited to talk to you to get to know more about you and more about this book, The Final Exodus. And what's really interesting is as I was reading this book, there were some things I was familiar with and other things I wasn't. So it's a really good study guide for those of you looking to eat deeper of the Word of God. And I want to thank Ambassador International for the connection. We have showcased several of the Ambassador International authors. They have high-quality books. Make sure you go ahead and visit their website at ambassador-international.com. So let's go ahead and get started. Before we get started, I want to prevail on who you are. So Rose, you start first, and Chris, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. I'll make this very brief. I was not raised a Christian. I was raised Catholic, but we weren't even practicing Catholics. I met my husband. We got married. He was Christian, started going to church, became a Christian in my 20s, got a hunger for the Word of God that has never let up since then, been teaching Bible studies for over 20 years now. Chris and I taught together for many years. We have a podcast together. We do a ministry together. And so that it. And then Chris, what about you? Well, I was raised in a Presbyterian church, and I never doubted that God was there, but I kind of had a, he was there when I went to him when I needed him for something, you know, when I was in trouble or whatever. And that was kind of my relationship with God growing up, but I never doubted that he was there. But that's not what it is to be a Christian. So I got a hunger for the word and started studying and Eventually, the truth just drops in your heart. I was at an ecumenical service, and I heard someone preach something that wasn't a Reader's Digest-type sermon or a topical sermon for once, and I just, that was when I knew what I needed to be hearing and learning. So, same as Rose, been studying the Bible, teaching Bible studies for a very long time now, and then met Rose, and eventually, we were at a church where we taught women Bible study, and we turned the first Bible study that we wrote into a book. And we just wanted people to dig into the Bible to learn it. And that was our hunger. And that was our passion. So we started Proverbs 910 Ministries. And from there came two more books. This one is the third one. When you look back over the, your experiences, do you think you will be where you are now? Not at all. 
No, every day I can't believe where we're at. You know, it is, God has far exceeded anything that we ever imagined. He lets us do what we love most, studying and teaching his word every single day. And he's growing our audience. And I think I pinch myself almost every day. You have to pinch yourself because it seems unreal. There's nothing like when the Lord takes you from point A to point B. And I really understand how you feel because you did not see yourself here. If someone had told you that you would be here, that you would want to eat the word of God, that you would want to drink it and fall fresh every day into it and learn new things and dig deeper, you probably would have been like, eh, not really. (laughs) You know, and it's funny how the Lord does things. This show is a miracle of itself, too. So, ladies, I definitely understand what you mean. Tell our listeners about your podcast. We have a podcast called No Trash, Just Truth. And we do a weekly episode that comes out new every Monday. We've done several interviews, and we have a few more of those coming up soon. We've done everything from exposit, whole books of the Bible, to topical studies. We are in the middle of Real Truth About False Teaching series right now. And that's what we do. So we, like I said, we have a weekly podcast that comes out on Monday mornings. And what would you add to that, Rose? This book, The Final Exodus, started out as a podcast series. We did the book of Revelation on our podcast. And now you find yourself here doing a podcast, and now you're on my podcast. I want our listeners to know more about what you guys teach. And I always love encouraging those who have podcasts because I know what it's like to not have anyone in your corner. And it's like, hey, tell people what you guys are doing because people want to know. They want to eat this word. Now, one thing you mentioned in the beginning of your book, you talk about how a baby When he first comes into the world, he gets the nipple in his mouth, and guess what? He is just salivating for that milk. But over time, as a baby develops, milk won't do it anymore. And I can't help but see the metaphor of your own growth in Christ, and that's what you want for other people. Before we delve down into these different views about revelation, why do you think it's important for Christians to not just stay on milk? but to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I'm sure our followers, listeners, watchers, because we do video and audio, they're tired of hearing us say, read your Bible, study scripture. There is so much garbage out there that's being peddled as Christian. And sadly, that's the stuff that has millions and millions and millions of followers. And people are being led astray. They're being saved to a false gospel. They're being saved by a false gospel, perverting the word of God knowingly or unknowingly. And as we always say, people whose job it is to spot counterfeit money don't study counterfeit money. They study real money so much to the point that when they see something counterfeit, they can spot it. And that's what we try to encourage our listeners to do. Study the real word of God and you'll recognize the false stuff out there. Right. Studying the word is how the Holy Spirit changes us to be more and more like Jesus. So we always tell people you have to be in the word. That's how you know what God has to say to you. He doesn't speak to you out of the clouds or anything else. He's speaking to you through the word that he gave us. And once you really delve in, most people, if they're Christians, they get a hunger for it. Yeah, without a doubt. We see that all the time. Mm-hmm. One thing that you mentioned, too, is that nowadays people are biblically illiterate and they don't understand what the Bible says, which is really sad because we were the leaders of that back in the day. And now you're encouraging people to get back into this word. Now, there are going to be people when we talk about the topic 
particularly when it comes to biblical prophecy, there's so many diverse theories out there. And you go into at least five of them. I'm pretty sure if you were to scrounge up some more, we could. But let's go into the five major ones that you highlight in your book, just so people can understand what they can expect. So, Rose, you can do two. And, Chris, you do two. And then you guys can flip to the last one. Okay. Well, I don't remember offhand what order we did them in, but I'll try to remember. The first one is full preterist, which is completely heretical. They, that's the view that everything in the book of Revelation, including Jesus' second coming, has already happened. And as unbelievable as that sounds, we've had a message from someone. They, people believe that Jesus has already come back. So that's heretical, not credible anywhere. So we kind of throw that out. But the partial preterist view that you mentioned, Parker, that is the belief that most of what's happened in the book of Revelation has already occurred. And you're right. What they do is they attach historical Rome to most of what's going on in the book of Revelation. This view adheres to an early writing of the book of Revelation by John before the destroying of the temple in 70 AD. So partial preterist, which is a biblically credible view, unlike full preterist, but partial preterists believe that most of what's going on in Revelation already happened in the first century leading up to the destruction of the temple. Then I'll take the historist view. The historists, they assign actual historical events to the things in Revelation. They think it's a chronological timeline and that everything in there has a specific historical event from between the start of the church up until Jesus' second coming. So just as an example, it's been, you know, all over the place. Is the COVID-19 vaccine, is that the mark of the beast? Well, historists want to assign something in history to something in Revelation. And while it has some biblical credibility, because on the essentials, they agree with the rest of the views. But the problem is, in John's time, the people he was writing to who were facing tribulation, and John was facing tribulation, and all throughout history, if you weren't at a period where a specific historical event from Revelation occurred, then it's not relevant to you. And that's just not how God works. And you run into the problem, too, because they can't even agree on which events correlate with which things in Revelation. So, Chris, what are the other two out there? The last two are the future view and the one you said it are so often the Tim Hay foundationalism and that all came of the Scofield Bible and the reference notes in the Scofield so that view's been around for a very very long time and contradicts a lot of what is in scripture you basically have to see Jesus come revelation times which we then the view is the idealist view and that is an approach to it takes kind of the best, it's, we have an ideal eclectic. And the eclectic view basically is that you take the best of each part that's there. And the idealists say that rather than seeing the events of Revelation in a full order like the futurists want to do, and literally the idealist approach takes Revelation as repeating cycles. It's repeating cycles of the whole Church, Satan attacked Christ's church throughout history. And so we see these repeating cycles and pictures of it all throughout Revelation. So you're seeing the same picture from a different viewpoint, a different vantage point. And the last view, 
I'll start, Chris, you can finish. We, it's the, like you said, the idealist view is that it's capitulating cycles depicting the cosmic struggle between the church and Satan. Now we describe ourselves as modern idealists, and that's that we do think that it is repeating cycles of cosmic, what's going on in the cosmic realm between the church and Satan. And it's mostly metaphorical. However, some of it could possibly be literal or could be pointing to something. So we kind of take the eclectic view, which is mixing them, like Chris said, but we call ourselves modern idealists, which is actually the most growing view right now. And that's, yes, it is mostly metaphorical. There are things in there that could be literal because you just got to be careful not to put God in a box. You don't want to ever say something where scripture clearly says he doesn't do or he does do. But if it leaves things in the air a little bit, you just don't want to put him in a box and you want to look at other scripture. So basically what we do is interpret Revelation the way the other 65 books are interpreted by using exegesis, by using contextualization, by putting it up against other scripture and studying it the way you would study any other book. Now, let me ask you the question. One of the things that I get from people when we discuss this topic is it really doesn't really matter what it is, okay? And there are some people who are, quite frankly, afraid to even read the book of Revelation because it has such great imagery, some of it very disturbing and scary. Some things are hard to understand. And I can remember Walter Martin saying that there's a lot of apocalyptic language in the book of Revelation when I used to listen to the Bible Answer Man. And then you have some people saying, no, it's a futurist view. Look at what's happening in the world. According to the Bible, he said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And we use that verse. Men shall be lovers of themselves, blah, blah, blah. And so you have all these different competing views. The question I want to ask you, Chris, is does it really matter what that view is if it's not a salvation issue? It's necessarily a salvation issue. God gave us the book of Revelation to study. Rose said the way we would look at and study and read any other book of the Bible. So, of course, we have to study it, and we shouldn't be afraid of it. I think we'd say that in the book, that we shouldn't be afraid to look at Revelation. We want to know, we want to think rightly about these end times that we're in, which is the whole time from the time Jesus ascended until he comes back. And if you're looking at the futurist view, for instance, and you're saying, oh, we're going to get raptured out of here. This is just an example. If you say, oh, we're going to get raptured out of here before anything really, really bad happens, then you're not reading it correctly, and you're not going to be prepared. You have to prepare yourself to stand firm. If I learned anything from studying Revelation, we are told you have to strengthen yourself to stand firm when tribulation comes, because we're promised trial and tribulation as Christians. We're not promised an easy life and then whisked off to heaven and then a whole bunch of bad stuff out of Revelation happens. And that's how the futurist view would look at it. So that's just one example of how if you look at it from the wrong view and you understand it wrong, you're not going to be prepared. And I would add, Sinclair Ferguson says everything is essential. He argues that all the time. But I understand there are the essentials of salvation, and then there are secondary issues, and maybe even a few tertiary issues. But how you view Revelation will affect your view of God. You know, depending on which view you take and how you think things are going to go down, 
and who plays a part in that, it could affect your view of the sovereignty of God. So I think in that way, and I think scripture is important enough that everything we investigate enough to try to get the correct interpretation. There will be things that are a mystery that are going to leave us without definitive answers, but I think we owe it to it to dig in and study it like any other book in the Bible, not any other book. I definitely agree with you ladies about this because if we don't study the word of God for all it's worth, then we will have a flawed view of the Lord. And I do sometimes divide things into secondary issues and essential issues only because sometimes the visions in the church can get overwhelming. There are people who would take one scripture and turn it into another denomination, right? And so for me, we don't always want to do that. But I do understand when it comes to these things, it can affect our view of God. For example, when I got into apologetics, Rose and Chris, I was into the creation versus evolution debate, right? Love the debate. I'm a Trekkie. You know, chances are it's going to happen, okay? So I was really into that. And so when I started to get into apologetics, it really started to strengthen up part of my faith that is logical and analytical. It helps you to really have a better view of the Lord. You can now read the scriptures for all it's worth and know that your faith is not just a blind faith. It's a faith based on bedrock, actual bedrock. And so I appreciate you making those statements because I want our listeners to hear from your lips why this is important. So we're not going to be able to go through the whole book, obviously, but I just want to give our listeners a taste of what they can expect in this book, The Final Exodus. So the first thing first, let's go back and peel back the veil. One thing you do, which is actually kind of funny because we've all done it, you say in chapter one, there's no S in Revelation. And when you said that, and I was reading, I was like, no, there isn't. We confess to adding the S sometimes by accident, but no, there's no S. Now, people may see that as a small thing. They may see that as something that's not really important. However, it's actually quite important because it goes into this whole idea of how to read and understand the book of Revelation. Why is understanding that there is no S in Revelation so significant? Well, there's only that one revelation. There's not a bunch of revelations. This is Jesus's final revelation given to John. It's his final word to us as believers. It's his final word to his people. So if we say there's revelations, we would be expecting more, and there isn't. In fact, it says over and over and over again, and at the very end of Revelation, not to add to the word or take away from it. So I think we need to be careful to say to not say the S. But we do understand that it could be a mistake sometimes. We're not saying that your whole faith lies on whether or not there's the S Revelation. <laughs> but... Now, as I said, in the book, we confess that sometimes we do it by accident. It's more understanding that it's one revelation. Yeah. And that was a very good point as I was reading the book. Because I said, I'm familiar with the topic and various opinions about it. I've actually hosted various opinions on the show because I do believe in a vigorous dialogue. We don't have to, you know, get the Bible and start throwing it at each other or anything like that. You know, what do you call a Bible in the cage or something like that? We don't have to do anything like that. But we can have rigorous and very discussion about these things because we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. Work unto God that need not be ashamed, right? Divine the word of truth. I want to go to the Kraken, release the Kraken. And of course, the first thing that comes to mind for some of us, if you can age yourself like I possibly will when I say this, I think of the Clash of the Titans movie that I used to watch with Granny, okay? It was inspired by Clash of the Titans. 
the word Kraken is not in scripture. So if you search, you're not going to find it. That was just, that was from, and it was, it was because this big beast, the Kraken came out, you know, and they said, release the Kraken. Well, that deals with chapter, I believe it's 12 and 13. And it talks about where the woman with the stars and the moon and the dragon makes war on her offspring. And then the beast comes out of the sea and the second beast comes out. So that chapter deals with all of that. And that's why we came up with Kraken because chapter 12 ends with Satan standing on the shore waiting for the beast to come out of the water. And Chris, what would you add to that? Well, I think Rose pretty much summed it up. I I forget what your original question was, but, you know, we titled it that and used Kraken from that movie. And, yeah, the beast is standing on the shore at the end there, and we know who's going to win. One thing about the imagery in the Book of Revelation is that it is very graphic. It's very disturbing. There are a lot of things going on here. But you said something interesting as you began to identify yourself as where you stand on the interpretation of the Book of Revelation. You said, modern idealists, and you're also eclectic. You mentioned about cycles. And the first thing that came to mind was the book of Ecclesiastes, and where the preacher is talking about just how depressing it is that there's nothing new under the sun. We keep doing the same things we've been doing. So why is it understanding it from the fact that it's more of a cycle of rebellion, redemption, till he calls us home? Why is that important to understand the sovereignty of the Lord? It's a little different than rebellion, redemption. I mean, it isn't, but it is. The And Chris, just jump in here when you're ready. No, you're right. But when we say cycles, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments are all the same judgments. They're a recapitulation of the same judgments. The difference is on the severity and on how much of mankind is affected. The seals affect 25% of mankind. The trumpets, these aren't literal numbers. This is just, it means a portion, but it puts it in perspective. The seals are on 25%, a trumpets are on a third, and the bowl judgments are complete. It's on everyone. The bowl judgments, the believers don't have to worry about, but it's on all of mankind. So they're the same thing. They just go up in intensity, but it is because after the seal judgments, People have a chance to repent, and guess what? They don't. The same with the trumpet judgments. They don't repent. No, they don't. And when we say recapitulation, like I said, it's a different vantage points of looking at that battle between Satan and Christ's church throughout this whole period. And that's why we can't take it in a literal, all-the-time timeline of events. We can't do it like the futurists do. We can't look at it that way. It's just so important to see that there's this picture from this vantage point. You get a vantage point from the throne room. You get a vantage point from the earth. You get different vantage points looking at that battle between Satan and the church. And how it affects the sovereignty of God. For example, when we get to the bold judgments, there's no definitive answer if believers are still on earth or if they have been taken up but they're protected from the bold judgments. The whole revelation totally correlates with the book of Exodus, which is why we call it the final Exodus. But anyway, just like the Israelites were protected for the last seven plagues, believers are protected from the bold judgments. Now this is on all the earth and there's hailstones coming down. People have sores. They're scorched by the sun. There's no food, no water. 
And you know what they're doing? They're cursing God who's sending the plague. So if that doesn't make them turn to God, then absolutely there's no way they can, which shows the sovereignty of God, that we can't turn to God unless our hearts are regenerated. Because here's people who know God is doing it to them, but they still don't want to turn to them to make it stop. So it just shows you that God is sovereign over salvation. If the Holy Spirit doesn't regenerate your heart, you're not coming to Christ. If all of that stuff is happening, it just shows exactly how hard our hearts would be without Christ regenerating them. If the Holy Spirit didn't regenerate our hearts, we would be in a mess because those people are suffering greatly, cursing God, like Rose said, and they're still not repenting. And that's just a few of the things that you're going to find when you pick up your copy of the final Exodus written here by my good friends, Chris Paxson and Rose Spiller. I want you to go ahead, love of my sisters, and pick up this book today. I know you're going to be just as invigorated as I was as I started reading this book. I didn't get through all of it, Rose and Chris, but what I did read, it was absolutely phenomenal. So I want you to go ahead and pick up your copy of The Final Exodus, Deciphering the Book of Revelation. Now, there's one thing we have to talk about. We have to talk about the two witnesses, because since I was a child, the two witnesses are superheroes, because I grew up in a church with the Futurist View, and to this day, I can see the map that Pastor Fails brought out, and it was from one end of the church to the other, and he went through the map. He talked about the different things that's going to happen, the different wars that's going to happen. It was a very fantastic map, and as a kid, it frightened me. And as I got older, one of the things I began to realize with the futurist view, which some futurists are cognizant enough to say, is that the dates keep changing with the futurist view. Dates keep changing. The witnesses keep changing. The Antichrist keeps changing. When is going to happen keeps changing. And these things keep changing. The dates keep moving. Things keep changing. Can't nail it down. But with the two witnesses, I think, regardless of what you come from, they constantly remain the same, but their interpretation of what they are representing changes. So go ahead, let's talk about the two witnesses. And Chris, because you're the quiet one, I want you to talk more. Okay. Well, the two witnesses are the church that's preaching the gospel to the unbelievers throughout all of these judgments that come. And I don't know if you got to that chapter or not, but John is told to eat. The, we're always talking about eating scripture. John is told to eat the scripture. And it's bitter and sweet. It's both bitter and sweet. And that's because the gospel message is both bitter and sweet. It's bitter because you have to hear that you are a sinner, that you are an enemy of God. But it's sweet because God has, you know, regenerated people's hearts and they can respond to that gospel and he's offered them salvation. So that's the sweet part of the gospel. It's bitter and it's sweet. And John is told to eat that book. I don't want to say too much about it, but the Two witnesses are a picture of the church standing there witnessing the whole entire time until Jesus returns. And I don't want to say any more about the chapter, but you'll have to read it. Rose, go ahead and add your thoughts to that as well. Well, I will say, Chris wrote that part of the book on the two witnesses, and she did an outstanding job, and she lays out scripture proving it is indeed the church. And it's really like a light bulb. When you go through it biblically, and interpret it using contextualization, other scripture, understanding that they're cycles, so you're putting them together and seeing the correlations. It's like a light bulb. It's like everything becomes clear. And then when you read the rest of the Bible, it just is amazing the effect it has on you. And 
this is one thing. I mean, I agree with you, Parker. You know, we always thought, oh, who are the two witnesses? Who's the false prophet? Who's the Antichrist? But when you really understand it biblically, it rocks your world in a good way. It really does. Rose and I have said to each other several times since studying Revelation and writing this book that it really opens up the rest of Scripture to you in a way that, I don't know, I guess unless until I did it, I didn't know. Because you see things all throughout. It just makes everything so much clearer in the Old Testament and the New. You can definitely tell our listeners what they can expect once they pick up their copy of the final Exodus, deciphering the book of Revelation. What can they definitely expect? And who will really benefit from this book? Women's groups, men's groups, who's going to benefit from it? I think it benefits anyone who likes to exposit scripture. One thing you can expect is there is a lot of scripture in it, and not just from Revelation. Because one thing Chris and I do on our podcast, in our Bible studies, we don't ever give our opinion. If we say something, we back it up with scripture, usually a lot of scripture. So you can expect a lot of scripture in it. But it's really, if you, you know, in our trailer, we say, if you want to take a completely biblical approach to studying the book of Revelation, then this is for you. And I'm going to talk for me. I mean, Chris and I spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours researching, studying, doing commentaries, doing seminary classes. And when we were done, like I said, our world was rock. So I think it will really make you see all of scripture in a different way. I would totally agree with that. And this book is for every Christian who wants to study Revelation. If you don't understand it, if you already do have some kind of understanding about it, this book will help you dig in deeper. And like Rose said, we put scripture right in the book. We put a lot of scripture, not just from Revelation, but from all throughout the Bible to support what we're saying. And we do that with every one of our books. We always put the scripture right there so you don't have to dig and go look it up while you're reading it. It's right there for you already. I really want to thank Rose and Chris for being with me today. Ladies, I have definitely enjoyed our conversation. Go ahead and tell them where they can find you online. We are at Proverbs910Ministries.com. That's where you'll find our website for the ministry. You'll find links to everything else there. And we're on Facebook, MeWe, Rumble, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Yes. Our podcast is on all podcast platforms, uh, YouTube and Rumble, the video version. And the book is available at all book outlets. Ladies, I would love for one of you to pray for us as we end our show today. Father, we just thank you so much for all of the things that you give us. We thank you as believers for the salvation that you've offered us freely, for taking our sin and shame and guilt and doing away with it for us and putting it on your son. Jesus, we thank you so much for taking that for us. Father, we know there are other people listening that are not saved. And we just pray that you will bring your Holy Spirit and regenerate their hearts. Father God, for those of us who are studying the Bible or haven't ever picked up the Bible, we pray that each listener today will pick up their Bible. They will study it. We pray that you will open their minds to understand it more and more and more as they go through their life. We pray that they will get a hunger and a desire to know you more and to read and study more and that they'll have time to just soak in that word. And we pray that you will bring them to a greater understanding of yourself 
your salvation, your sovereignty. And Lord, we just thank you again for this opportunity to be with Parker. We pray for her ministry and we pray for all those listening out there. And I just ask that you will do all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, ladies, for being with me on the show today. And to our listeners out there, I hope that you really and truly enjoy the conversation we had with Rose and Chris. The things we may have discussed may not have even heard before. You may not have heard that there's another view other than the futurist view because it is very popular. You may not have heard that, wait, some of the language in the book of Revelation is metaphorical. What do you mean by apocalyptic language? What does eclectic mean? What does idealist mean? These are things that you're going to learn when you pick up your copy of the final exodus deciphering the book of Revelation. And throughout this, you're going to have so many nuggets of wisdom and it's going to transform your life, especially as it relates to God. For those of you who do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't you want to know him? You don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what's going to happen. Only he does. Come closer to him and he will save you if it is according to his will. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day. And God bless.